Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 137. This week on the show, I've got an awesome conversation with David Michael Frank. Um, That name may be familiar to some of you guys, may not be. Uh, I think it's a really cool conversation because this is one of those times where I'm getting to kind of help with this reintroduction, if you will. Um, You know, he was in a band before and had quite a good following and kind of was making strides through the industry. Um, And then, you know, life happens. Things change. Band members change. Vision changes. Things like that. Um, But here he is, you know, kind of reintroducing himself as a solo project and really putting it all out there and redefining who he is and his sound and um, the you know, persona moving forward, if you will. Um, But yeah, it was a great conversation that I had with him. We talked about all sorts of stuff, including that background, uh, as well as this revitalization through TikTok and YouTube, um, being able to use these new platforms to really launch himself into uh, a new kind of hybrid genre and hybrid role when it comes to uh, being recognized or where people maybe are discovering him. And it's just a really cool conversation. I think there's a lot of really cool information. He's got great insight around, especially the TikTok and YouTube side of things. Um, we talked a lot (laughs) about the industry, uh, probably more than what we originally had planned, but again, it was just such a good conversation that I didn't want to, you know, try to wrangle us back in too much because it, is all pertinent and it's all stuff that I think any young artist quote unquote will be able to take a piece of and implement it into their career. Um, We also talked a little bit about mental health and some of the trials and tribulations that he has went through, uh, including breaking his back and, you know, kind of where that put his, his mental health and, you know, spouts of, losing his voice and just not being able to perform at the highest level that he would like. And, you know, that all weighs on you. And we touched on that as well. So again, just a great conversation. Really hope you guys enjoy this one. Um, I think you will. I think it's someone that when you're done listening to this episode, if you've not heard of him before, go check him out. And I think you're going to find some, some songs that you enjoy. Um, and there's definitely a lot of a catalog there for you to, to dig through. So let's dive in. This is my conversation with David Michael Frank. So um, to kick things, I start with the same word ask question every time. Simple introduction, man. Who are you? And kind of a little background on yourself. What's going on? My name is David Michael Frank. Uh, up until a few weeks ago, I was always in band names, so I would have told you the name of my band. But now uh, I'm, I'm going as David Michael Frank, so you can find me online as that. And I'm, I'm a musician that is very much in the trenches of being an artist and an entrepreneur and a producer and a multi-instrumentalist uh, and have been in the game for a little bit. I probably started YouTube around 2011 uh, and, I, and I haven't given up and I'm not giving up anytime soon. And uh, I just got back from my first tour in a few years and uh, there's a lot of fun stuff going on. So 
Uh, that's my quick backstory. We'll dive in, of course, in a little. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I didn't realize it had been that long for you. I knew that you'd been in the YouTube realm for, for a while. Um, so kind of let's talk about, I think the first thing I want to touch on is this transition out of being in bands and kind of the group mentality into this solo dynamic. What kind of spurred this shift for you and kind of mentally, what does it take to make that shift? Sure. Uh, so yeah, my music, my professional music career originally began um, in a very uh, put together, contrived kind of way. I was actually brought out to Los Angeles and I was put into a boy band. I was the lead singer of like a boy band. We like signed horrible record deals and I was introduced to some of the, the dark sides of the industry uh, out in Los Angeles. Um, and since then, uh, that line, that band has been a line of, of members changing, uh, coming and going and four guys, three guys, two guys, one guy uh, with different band names, but it's always been the iteration of the same band. Um, and a few years ago, actually, my last remaining member uh, fell in love with a Norwegian model and he had to go travel the world as happens to all, all bands. Um, and yeah. so he, he went off to go do his thing and I was left with the band. Um, at that point, you know, I, I had been holding on to this band name for a while. I had merch in stock, you know, little things like that sort of keep you uh, holding on to your identity. You might be fans having tattoos of the band name, um, whatever it might be that makes you hold on tight. So I held on tight for a while. Um, and, uh, COVID happened. Um, and I started posting on TikTok. Um, I, and I also had been using my personal Instagram a little bit more. Um, and I decided to make the Instagram as my name. Um, sorry, I made, make the TikTok as my name. Um, and I started posting on TikTok, which is now my biggest social media outlet. I've been on YouTube since 2011, and that's at about, you know, a quarter million people. But now on TikTok, I have, uh, you know, 1.6 million, I believe. Um, and, uh, quickly I found out that it was becoming more difficult to drive people from my name, my identity online to my band name. Uh, it was, it was hard. I, I was looking at Google search and people were searching my name. They weren't searching my band name. Um, so this was the first time changing a band name was actually an improvement in the past. It was sort of like somebody changed the channel, uh, and you were trying to like get your old fans to like change the channel to meet up with your new band name. Um, and, and now it was that people were, people were already searching for me and my name. Um, and it was a little bit easier. Plus also it had felt um, a little disingenuous in the last few years, referring to myself as a band, uh, just to somebody who grew up playing in bands as a, a, the word band and multiple people. Um, I always had sort of a struggle with the plurality of referring to myself as a band. Um, but I had no more other members. I was the last remaining member. I was the Brendan Urey to the Panic at the Disco of my band. Um, and I, I, uh, it was time. And I had a tour offer, which I just returned from tour this last week. Um, and I had a tour offer to come out on tour as, as myself. Um, and I used that as the catalyst to prepare everything that I needed to prepare to make the change, um, which was incredibly difficult because once you've been building up a catalog of music uh, to switch um, would mean that you would lose all of your monthly listeners. You would lose all of your, your back catalog would sort of become uh, null and void. Oh, did I lose my, oh, I'm the host. Okay, that's cool. I, 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 lost, I lost my host in the podcast meeting. So if the podcast is still listening, uh, I'm currently 
I'm currently waiting for you make the scene. Oh, there it is. Sorry. Are, so, are we back? And or and or should I rewind in my speaking? Thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. Cool. All right, we'll do. Sorry for that interruption. Uh, we're back. Uh, so so. In that, uh, I had a tour offer to to go out on tours myself, and I used that as the catalyst to reorganize my back catalog of music and to re-upload it using my name as an additional artist. So now I was going to have the monthly listeners that I had previously been building up um, for many years, but I would not have the followers. That's something that Spotify doesn't allow you to to transition. So I was starting from scratch from followers, but. Um, it was something that I was always up against and I always knew that was going to be an issue. Um, that was one of the many issues in changing your artist name. Um, but I, I did it. It was time. And I re-uploaded about 200 songs on Spotify, which was a nightmare of a spreadsheet with ISRC codes and original upload data and the, and the final mix that was uploaded. Um, and re-uploading all of that um, to Spotify and the music distributors, which now you can go find my DMF music anthology. I've organized it into volumes and I've also organized my originals, uh, into, into volumes as well. Um, and, uh, I, I did it. I made the plunge and then I came out with an original single, which came out, uh, this last Friday, the 19th of August. And I decided to not put it out before the tour. And I decided to play it on stage every single night for the tour, uh, without it being out. And the crowd went wild every night. And it was really exciting because they were sharing, I was sharing something with them that wasn't out in the world. And uh, they received it great. And now the song is out in the world and it is no longer mine. Um, it is now everyone else's. Um, and now I don't have a band name. Now I'm going by myself, going by my name. Um, I think the interesting thing is that, you know, maybe people that are casual listeners or casual fans um, understand about, you know, especially the Spotify side of things where when you make that transition, it's not as simple as just changing a handle or changing a username. Like, there's a lot that goes into this transition. Yeah, it's a it's a nightmare, and especially when your your income is based on you know, how, how easy it is for people to find you, how easy it is for them to find uh, ways to help support, um, because music can create a huge impact in people's lives, but um, without a mechanism to, to have the art be rewarded for the value that it's actually putting into the world, uh, you can't make a living from it. Spotify uh, makes that even sort of difficult. Um, so you need to reset everything up uh, to make a change like that. And it's a nightmare. It took days and days of spreadsheets and banging my head against the desk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, as you've transitioned into kind of the solo project, if you will, um, you just mentioned the new single, only one, um, and the intentionality of not putting it out and then going on tour and letting people know what it is. Um, what's, been this kind of the residual wave, if you will, now that you're off tour and seeing the song be able to populate in real time. Yeah, it's it's tough because this whole industry is very, very uh, you know, dopamine. Uh, you get rewards and, and uh, it tears you down if things don't do as well or whatever. But um, in, in that month and a half of 
uh, backswing before the song came out. I was playing it every night. People were rocking out to it every night. I was getting to sort of work on the pro on the song, um, develop it in my in myself uh, and my performance of it, um, and then uh, develop and and getting pre-saves and hype for it. Um, so when the song actually dropped, I I did chart. I charted uh, number two in alternative, which I my song came out the same day as uh, Demi Lovato's album, and which was alternative, as well as Panic the Disco's new album, which was alternative. So my song charted at number two in the alternative charts as an independent artist, and I charted not amazingly, but it's still amazing. I got number thirty-eight on all genres. Um, as far as an independent artist goes. So I was up against everyone, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Imagine Dragons, um, Ed Sheeran. Um, and so it was, it was cool to, to know that all of that work of putting TikToks out of clips of the song. Um, I did an open verse challenge, which I'm still in the middle of, a lot of different marketing tactics um, to, to put everything I can behind a song that I believed in as my first song for my name and my identity. Um, so it was cool to be rewarded at least with hitting the charts. But the sad thing is, is now it's sort of like, all right, I'll put out the official music video, but what, what next? Yeah. So uh, you have to, you, you got to put it all out there, which is hard. And then you have to move on. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's interesting. You say that you don't feel like number 38 is charting all that well, but when you really look at, you know, the, the grand scale of this, Spotify gets something stupid like 60,000 songs pushed to it every single day. So to chart number 38 is still pretty fucking high up there, bud. Like No, that's, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I don't I don't take that for granted. I'm I'm really really appreciative of of doing that. Um and it it's true. And I can also I it's not fair as an independent artist cuz I could watch the charts and then I would watch the Spotify or Apple like banners shift and they they can shift those banners and I can watch them move whatever songs around on the charts and little independent me I'm like just like posting on my stories again like no like keep keep downloading or streaming but I can just watch them like oh we're going to put Panic of the Disco, High Hopes on sale right now for free if you, you know, like, all right, well, I can't even compete. Yeah, no, and, and that is one of those, you know, you mentioned the dark side of the industry earlier. That's one of those tactics that, you know, people maybe don't realize how much influence labels and big brands actually have on that sort of thing, because all it takes is, you know, like, I, I can so like obviously i clicked on that and totally. i know my streams contributed to her but it's one of those things that you know they they know what they're doing with that marketing and like you said for an independent artist to really not have the means to to make that as powerful of an influential move it's it's a really difficult spot to be in yeah yeah the playlists like the big playlists that's one that i wish that I know that most of the spots on the New Music Friday or whatever it might be, the labels, which all have their their ownership percentage or whatever, they they get more spots that they can fill. Um, there are some independent ones. Spotify holds that to them. You know, they have they have those. But all I can do is when I upload my song, I can write like 500 words about why I should be selected. And unless I have such a crazy amount of pre-saves, I'm just a needle in the haystack. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it, it's an incredible thing to think about that 
you know, here's this song that you spent, you know, I, I mean, you could tell me how long this song took you from uh, start to finish, but like, yeah, here's, here's this last year of my life, if you will. And I'm going to tell you in 500 words or less, and basically a tweet, why you should pick me to go on this, this list. Yep. Yeah, it's tough, but it, that's the nature of the game. And it's sort of fun, uh, at the same time, um, because it's the wild, wild west right now. Um, I see a lot of, uh, strength in, in TikTok. Of course, the whole industry is seeing that. I didn't realize we we're going to be talking some music business, but my brain loves all aspects of this whole thing. I'm so left brain, right brain, all back over, all over the time. Um, but yeah, it's uh, TikTok's really powerful and can can blow a song up and can change culture. Um, and uh, it's really, I'm very fortunate to have built up a fan base there. Um, I, I was playing shows and doing VIP, and people were asking questions, and they'd be like, "Hey, like I, I came across you on TikTok, and that's how I found the other people you're touring with." And uh, it's just wild to see um, that like an app like that can create so many asses and seats and make people pre-save and um, listen to this podcast. And if you're listening from a TikTok all the way through, like that's cool. That's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I think that is one of those things that, you know, the music industry has always had to very quickly adapt the new technologies and the new platforms, you know, all the way back from, music on my profile as easily so what do i do to make that engaging for people and instagram now tiktok and being able to go okay cool realistically with tiktok though what do i have 20 seconds tops to grab somebody's attention and hope that they've you know stayed here and, and dug in to what i'm doing yeah, and you better catch their attention in that first second and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think the interesting thing for you in the TikTok realm is I want to, you know, let you brag a little bit. You've got this insane vocal range, man. And I think TikTok is allowing you a place where you can truly just straight showcase that. You don't have to to try to hide behind anything. or You can just put it out in the open and show. Like, you know, we're talking over five octaves worth of range and you know i've been doing music journalism for almost 20 years now and i can think of maybe five artists off the top of my head that i'm like yeah they could probably compete with that type of range like it's a pretty elite club that you're in thank you and i and i wouldn't even call i wouldn't even say that TikTok or even short form video content is what is the showcase of it which of course but i would give that i would give TikTok and short form video credit for why I have developed those that you know series of muscles um, and that that kind of uh, range, I, I had you know been posting content at the beginning of when I started using the app and seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, some some soft stuff, some well all of a sudden you post something with a high note and then you're like okay cool and then you start to develop that and you start to understand like that's the payoff that you want to show in the in the song and and then. It becomes it for me. It became uh, an obsession with my craft. So my guitar playing has never gotten worse. Um, uh, my drumming's actually getting good, but that that's fine. But but I'm now training my voice uh, very much like an athlete would train for you know the Olympics. Uh, the amount of of singing training I do every day is probably three hours uh, a day of focused singing. Um, 
exercise, um, implementation technique. Um, and it's, it's that I recognize now, like I, I can be at this other caliber of a performer. Um, I, I always was just the singer in my bands trying to get my message across. And now it's sort of like I unlocked, uh, another part of the speedometer on the car. Um, and I can choose to use it or not. Um, but to, to have that headroom is incredible. Um, especially when it comes to artistic expression. Um, and so there's a lot of sing great singers, the best singers of all time. And you can look at the Steve Perry's and the Whitney Houston's and the Celine Dion's and, um, I'm studying them and I'm trying to emulate them, but be myself. And when I do my TikToks, I challenged myself, I, I think because I, I didn't like when people were faking their, their performances. So I, I would watch it and I would, as a producer, I, I record. So I would watch a singer sing and I'd be like, they literally already recorded this and there's lip singing to it. I can watch their breaths don't line up. Their mouth doesn't line up. Yeah. So that sort of annoyed me just because I could see that they were like cheating or whatever. So I made like sort of my own internal rule that for my TikToks, I was going to do them. I was going to do them live. Um, and that made my life really difficult <laughs> because I started to learn like, oh, if I talk in the beginning or at the end of my thing, um, it might be, might do a little bit better. So now I've added talking. I have to get the lyrics right. I have to kill it with the musical performance. And like at the same time, I don't want to look like I'm trying to do art. So I have to like maybe smile or have fun while I'm sweating my ass off because I have to pull it off in one take. Um, and so uh, I set such a high bar for myself and I constantly am pushing it. And I think that for so many of my videos, I was at 100% of my skill. Like that was like the peak performance of what I could do. If I could, I couldn't hold the note out any longer. I couldn't sing any higher. I couldn't have more emotion in my performance at that moment in time when I posted that TikTok two years ago. And now I can look back at a video from six months ago or, or three months ago or two years ago. And I can know I'm a better singer than that because I've been working on it. And now I can do what was so hard for me. I can do that fine. Um, and I had the opportunity to, to test it because I hadn't really had a chance to test it in a long time uh, until I went on tour. And I was on tour with two of the best singers I've ever, ever sang with. Uh, Lauren Babbick is an incredible screamer and an incredible singer. And Addie from the band Halicine is an incredible, incredible vocalist. So I'm on stage every single night. We have our set, which was like 25 songs in total. And I think I was on stage for like 19 of them. Um, and the vocals that they were throwing out, of course, were, were phenomenal. And I had to keep up with them. But as I got more confident in the set, I found that I was basically performing little TikTok moments uh, all night. And I had this improv element to knowing what I should do, what I can do, that's like my, my part. But as I get more confident, I could like start to throw it in. So by the end of the tour, I was like going at like just crazy notes. And like the girls would be like, oh man, here, oh. oh. And it was, it was just really, uh, it was really exciting um, to watch that develop and then to develop it every single night in front of a crowd. Um, so that was cool. Yeah, no, I, I do love, so talk about a kind of full circle moment. Um, I've been a fan of Hallocene for years, uh, like since darn near the MySpace days. Um, yeah. And, you know, Brad and Addy are two of the most incredible people out there. So and I, I've often said, you know, and I think you're kind of fitting in the same boat a little bit right now with they are one of the best acts that nobody knows about. Mm -hmm. Like they should be so much bigger than what they are 
because they've got it all. It's just a matter of getting that exposure and same thing for you, you know, obviously with your TikTok and things like that, like it's getting there, but it's one of those, like, you know, we touched on it earlier. It's not like you're a brand new artist, you know, you've been in the industry for a while. Yeah. We, and we all share that in common that we've, we've been in the trenches for the same amount of time. I mean, Brad and Addy had, and I had, had spoken in maybe like 2014 about doing a collab and whatever scheduling didn't work out. Um, and yeah, we've, I've, I've known about their videos and, and they've known about me and we've been in similar circles and worked with similar people. Um, so the same people often uh, have same friends. And uh, yeah, it was so crazy getting to, getting to tour with them in this invitation. Um, I, it, was, it was problematic seating me next to Brad in the van because we would lose our voices because we're just <laughs> chit-chatting about everything from like microphones and engineering and music and production and what we were doing as kids and the rambunctiousness or things we were lighting on fire or whatever it might have been, the video games. Um, and so I ended up at one point in time being like, fuck you, Brad, I can't hang out with you anymore. I'm losing my voice. I'm sitting in the back of the car. Um, but, but yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. We, we knew that we were going to all get along in that way. I didn't expect to, to create such strong bonds with, with everybody, but I feel very bonded, uh, to the entire touring package. Um, and we've all been in the trenches and I, that, I think we just have such tremendous respect for each other for holding on. Um, through such wild rides. Um, I know they have had dark times in their careers where they were ready to give up, um, and I certainly know I have. Um, and I think it's, you know, we're all stronger if we, if we hold on. It's, it's a tough industry to, to make a living in. Um, yeah, even if you do get signed, you're, that's the beginning of that journey. But I have so many friends that were so talented and even got signed to major record deals that maybe that they thought they made it so they relaxed and then it all fell out from under them um it you can't ever relax it's it's uh it's a lot it's hard to keep up but you have to keep pursuing the dream that you felt that first time music connected with you that made you go i think i want to do that whatever that feeling was that you had when you were 12 years old or whatever you have to hold on to that as like your core feeling and in dark times and, and hard times um, even in the, those happy times or when you feel like you made it, you can't forget that that fire that, that you were passionate about and that you have to hold on to it. Um, that's been crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, it's funny you mentioned, you know, the artists that get signed and then kind of relax. I was talking with the band Cliff Diver from Tulsa. Um, they got signed to Side One Dummy Records not too long ago. And we were talking about that and... Uh, Brie and um, I think it was Brie that said it specifically that, you know, now that we're signed, it's not a, oh, we can take our foot off the gas. It's a, now the real work begins. Like it's time to, to really show what we can do. Um, and I think that's, you know, the misconception to the casual listener. They assume, oh, well, the life gets easier the further up that chain you get. And it's actually much harder the further up you go. Yeah, and the stakes are a lot higher, and once you do get to that situation, you might not even realize it. You should realize it if you had a lawyer when you signed your contract, but it, you, the stakes are so high that you basically taken out a pretty fatty credit card uh, against the success of, of your music, and somebody else has the right to spend whatever the hell they want and collect that from you first. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, 
it's tough. Uh, and then the bigger you are, the harder you fall as far as like how your ego is with all of that. So I've done my best to try to like stay humble um, and remember that like each person is a view or whatever it is a is a is a person and the impact that the music can make on them um, could change their life, could save their life, could uh, inspire something out of them. Um, and you know, you hear those stories when you tour and you have somebody come up to you with a tattoo and or a letter and they tell you how much your music has affected them. And those are those moments where you like you can really see that that connection. Um, but it's so easy to become jaded by large numbers and views and especially your peers where you're like, oh man, they got a hundred thousand on this. Oh, I suck. Like I only got right. ten thousand or whatever. Um but even one view like that's as long as it's not yourself um is, is you know the, the two views um but no you're making an impact on hopefully at least um one person you don't ever know that so i've done my best to try to try to maintain that um throughout everything i've done um yeah yeah, yeah no i i love that and you know i've got a second podcast called musicians for mental health where i talk a lot about you know just the, the struggles that a lot of musicians have been through and, and whatnot. And I think especially in kind of the genre genres that you bounce between, um, you know, mental health plays a core theme throughout a lot of these, you know, songs and, and just the livelihood of, of artists and things like that. And I think what you just said is so powerful and important because like at the end of the day, music is there to heal somebody else you know like we write our own stories and we you know put ourselves out there for whatever reasons you know some people it's the paycheck and more power to them when you're authentic with your music it's to connect with somebody you said you never know if maybe that song saved somebody's life because now they don't feel alone in, in their battles yeah and it's not a it's not a one-way street either it's not just making music to be some form of therapy for someone else it's it's very much therapeutic for for us the, the artists and the creators um at least if we're creating from that place i know for me i've i've been through a lot um i had i broke my back um i've had like health problems and life problems and relationship problems and family problems and money problems and you know it it, it, it goes on and on um but music's sort of been my constant through all that as far as uh, where I can, I can share what I'm going through. Um, and, and even more than just the music itself, the community around you. Um, so, like, for example, I, I have a Patreon. This isn't, like, a pitch for my Patreon or anything, but, like, you, I'm sure you have a community, you have Discord or whatever. Like, when you share, when you share what you can, like, and feel comfortable about it, so... I like, for example, I like broke my spine and I was like practically near, I was lucky I wasn't paralyzed and I had a breakup like three days earlier and it was like a, it was like the worst time of my life. And I, I just turned to my Patreon and I was like, look guys, I'm not going to be able to do anything. I can't hold a guitar. I can't really sit or stand for very long at a time. And I'm going to just write music and I'm going to live stream every Friday and I'm just going to share with the, you guys, only you the songs that I'm writing. I'm not going to do this publicly. I'm just giving it to my Patreon. Um, and it was the only way I was able to like make a living during that time, sure. But what was cool and how this relates to what we were talking about was that I was sharing such deep personal like issues and problems that I was going through. I was literally like crying on, on like stream or whatever. Like it's embarrassing. But, but like 
I was going through such like a hard time in my life that it it went both ways where they were sharing what they were going through with me and now it hits the whole community and the community of sm- the small little community of supporters backing me supporting me being there for me were all actually there for each other and they were sharing their own little like cancer problems and family problems and um it was like really beautiful to see that music had sort of brought this little community together um and i think you see that with all kinds of pockets on the internet um you know i like even with halcyon like i was introduced to sort of their community through what they do with twitch and what they do with discord these are thing communities that i don't really even like touch as far as either of those go um, but I, I was able to step my foot in and, and meet the moderators and the people that are like making things possible um, and see how they're sort of garnering that attitude within the community that we're all here for each other. It's a safe space where we're looking out and, and you know, the music brings us together. But, but beyond that, you know, we're all just people um, trying to find our way through, through the world. And there's something that we can all relate to there. And I've just I've been so blessed to see that in my own stuff, and then be introduced to that in other people's stuff. Um, and you know, I think I think that kind of connection is just so valuable and something so important for us as we spend a little bit of time on this planet. Um, yeah. Connect with as many people as deeply as we can. Yeah, no, I I a thousand percent agree with you on that. You know, and like I said with the other podcast, I talk a lot about. You know, breaking the stigma around mental health, which is obviously this daunting task that is going to take a lot of work from a lot of people. But I think what you just said is is really kind of the first set of steps to doing that is finding a community that you belong to and you can connect with and can be there for each other and kind of help each other, give advice, whatever it may be. Um, because then that circle of of people all have other circles of people that are around them and it just it can you know net itself out a lot larger that way yeah it's so easy to to not want to like reach out for help because you're sort of in your own world uh your own stresses your own um uh, you know it just sort of feels like the walls are sort of closing in on you kind of a thing and i guess the the more opportunities you can give yourself for that kind of stuff the more you know uh, life, life rafts you got around you, the better chance you got, of course. But um, I, I do, I just think that that, yeah, that sense of community is just uh, so, so important. Um, so yeah, that's cool. I'm gonna check out your. What was the name of your podcast? Uh, Musicians for Mental Health is. That's awesome. The mental health one, yeah. So I, I, I'll check uh, it out. Awesome. Um, so kind of transitioning back into what you're doing, you know with your music now as the solo project only one like I feel like I'm losing you somewhere in there can you hear me i can like sort of hear you garbling a little
Okay. Okay. All right. Um, I don't know if you got it right there at the end. I said I have Starlink internet, which is great when it's <laughs> when it's right, but when it's not, man, it drops so hard. So I'm sorry. Um, no, it's all good, man. I, Shout out Starlink. Day, yeah, it's just one of the things of living out in the country. I don't have a uh, you know high speed cable or anything like that. But yeah. Um, no, what I was what I was getting at is you know the the thing I don't do anymore is I don't ask the specifics of any one song because I don't want to take it away from somebody with whatever connection they've made, whether it's a, you know, a breakup, death in the family, whatever. But I think the important thing that I want to kind of touch on, especially with only one having just dropped, is what we were just talking about, this authenticity of music. You mentioned, you know, writing music can, can be a therapy for the artist as well. For you, knowing what you know about the the industry from everything you've been through. Cause like you said, it was kind of a formulated thing to, to begin with how important is being authentic through your music for you moving forward. Interesting. So, um, that sort of, that sort of opens me up to, to the conversation of songwriting. Um, I've been in bands, but I've been the primary songwriter in all of my bands where I would literally like send my bandmates the song and be like, are we good? And they'd, they'd be like, yeah, we're good. I'm like, all right, all right, sweet. Um, so, and I'd be like, here's your drum parts. And like, there's like, maybe you want to write a guitar part on top of the 19 I've already recorded. Sure. Um, so I've always been the primary songwriter, but in that I've, I've developed my own techniques for doing that. And uh, I'm a little precious about it and it takes me some time to write a song sometimes. And it can be like a very emotional process or it can, um, you know, I really sort of dive into it and I might be pacing around the room uh, for days to try to like get the song or it could all come together in an afternoon or whatever it might be. Um, cue me moving to Nashville. And I got contacted by some very talented songwriters um, that do this professionally that are looking, of course, to, to have somebody who's like popular on the internet, like do songs with them. So I, I was reached out to, and I was a little like, uh, you know, it sort of throws the red flags, of course, of like, cause I'm so used to being taken advantage of, but that's not the songwriting world. The songwriting world is the opposite of that. They only make money if, if you put out a song that you wrote with them or they give to you or whatever, that you, a year or whenever you put it out later, then they only make money if you put it out and they don't even touch your master money. They only touch your publishing money, which you don't even touch that really anyways. You don't even know that I, for so long, I didn't even know about publishing money. And it's, it's fractions of even what the master is, which is already fractions of what it should have been. So this songwriting world, they'll write a song at like 10 a.m., they'll have another one booked around town at 1 and 1 p.m., and they'll have another one booked at like 5 p.m. And they will write a full song, if not multiple songs, at each one of those writes. And they have all of the tips and tricks to do all of the rhyme schemes and internal stuff and like all of the rules that like you would learn in the like school of songwriting. Remember, I've been in bands, I've been writing songs just from my heart and not necessarily learning all the tips and tricks. Um, that I think would have, of course, been super valuable, but I'm not coming in thinking about like, oh, we have to do this specific rhyme scheme. I'm just like writing a song from my heart. Um, so I started writing with these incredible Nashville writers, and I was, of course, a little intimidated to step into the room with them, knowing that they're writing three to five songs a day, and I can like maybe, if I'm lucky, focus on writing like one in a day that I focused on that, right. but I, I probably only got the verse in the chorus. Um, so uh, 
I found myself struggling to instantly like rise to their skill level, which I only ever did. But but I was able to bring in ideas, of course, and work with ideas that other people had the starts of, uh, and and put my stamp on them, and 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 play ball with a bunch of really great basketball players, you know, as a metaphor, not real best. I'm probably the best basketball player out of all the songwriters I've written with, but who knows? I don't even play ball anymore. Um, I just can't imagine they'd be very good, but who knows? Um, so, uh, I wrote only one, um, with an incredible, incredibly talented writer named Chris Sly and another writer named Mary Cutter. Um, and that was probably out of like the 15 songs that I wrote with like this different switching off groups of people um that was just with the two of them and that was probably songs 13 14 and 15 we'll call it and that was three songs in one session um which i've never done in my life that was nuts um and uh but that was like 13 14 15 of like these batch of songs that we would like every few weeks we'd like to get two songs in a day or whatever um and it was it was just wild to have three in like what was probably like two hours um, and for me, as far as the authenticity goes, you do, you can lose a little bit of that when you're working with the people who are so trained at picking up on what the artist is going through. I'll walk in the room and they'll be like, so what's going on in your life? And I know what they're doing. They're literally like poking to see like, where, well, how are you? What's, what'd you do or before this? Well, how was your weekend? And I know what they're doing. They're going for some morsel of something to write a song off of, right. um, which is cool. Um, and so now, of course, I, I've learned to go in with a little bit more preparation as far as like what's going on in my world and what and what I want to like vent about or or work on or or talk about in a song. Um, and uh, the authenticity is not lost as long as I'm still sort of holding on to the reins in a group of people that are really mad talented and they know how to just finish the song to finish the song. Um, but I know how important the song is to me and how important it is that I'm driving the ship and connected to it, of course, very connected to it, have to be, um, because I'm the one performing it and singing it on stage every night and, and championing it forever. Um, so uh, I, I've, I've quickly like rose to the occasion with these talented writers. So as far as the authenticity goes, like, yeah, like I'm writing songs that are like very real to me and very much stuff that I'm going through. Um, but then with that, I have had the opportunity to dabble in the imagination of writing songs outside of what I'm going through. Um, so I don't know if it's the next song that I'm, I'm going to put out, but I know that I wrote like a, a really great breakup song. I'm happily married. I'm not going to go, you know, I'm, I, right. but I was still able to sort of tap into tap into some of the, the stuff that I, I had been going through in the past um, and, and write from that place i've also wrote a song um for that was the idea was for my son who's who's um was at the time just about to be born um and it was a song that i intended to have it also be vague enough to be like just sort of a love song that anybody can have but like in my heart i was sort of writing it from from the idea that i was about to have a child um and this the song which isn't out by any means uh, or it's not out yet um uh the song so is called i didn't have to fall in love and the idea is that like this is like the first time in your life when you don't actually have the process of falling in love. You you just are instantly in love. So like I wrote this song, for example, that it, it plays to something that was very. I was gonna have a, a kid that was. I I didn't have to fall in love because now all of a sudden I'm instantly in love with this this like being you know. Yeah. And there's no process there. But I also with these incredible songwriters 
they're like, but let's write it vague enough so it works for anything. And they, they know, they know, they're geniuses. Like, that's the kind of stuff that, like, um, we, so now somebody could have that as their, like, wedding song or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I were able to sort of, like, write from a personal place, but also, like, follow some of the songwriting rules that, that make things uh, a little more universal and make my rhyme schemes not so random. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly what I was trying to get at is, you know, like, the song content versus knowing how to produce it. You know, like, knowing, like you said, what rhyme schemes and where maybe the the hook should be buried over here instead of right up front. Like, where do we want to grab people? Um, but as I guess for me, the authenticity comes through the message of the song more so than the production of the song. Do you hear lyrics first? Uh, t most typically, yes. I'm, I'm one of those people. The first, so I always tell people like when a new album comes out, I'm a stickler that I have to listen to it front to back. And for me, I say most people listen to it two or three times front to back. The first time most people are going to just hear the music and see like what grabs them for me it's i hear the words and i'm like oh that was a cool thing or you know like holy shit i've been there or whatever so for me yes it's it's words before music um and that probably plays into like my the whole mental health side of things and you know the empathy that i feel with with people and whatnot um but i think that's that's the key for me in building an authentic fan base as well is if the lyrics and the message is true then people are going to want to be with you versus we don't have to call any of them out but you know pop 40 stations there's a lot of shit on there and you sure. know it's it's sugar pop or whatever it may be that just makes you feel good for the three and a half minutes and then there's nothing more to it yeah that's awesome i wish i listened like that uh primarily as like how I listen to music. I'm, I'm working on that. That's like now what I do as well as when I listen to music, I'll bust open the show lyrics on Spotify and I, I follow through it. Um, but I, I, I started off as a guitar player um, and I play guitar and bass and drums and uh, my piano's not great, but I, I can play, I can play enough. Um, and uh, I am such a stickler for melody and music and, and feel and the emotional like ebb and flow of the of the musical production, especially as a producer myself. So I'm my ADD, probably ADHD is mad distracted uh, by everything that's going on that the lyrics had been taking a back seat for years and years and years. Um, and I think that was reflected even in my earlier songwriting too, where I was like, yeah, that sounds cool, whatever, we'll go with it. Um, and, and, you know, of course, I still want something to sound cool, but the, the meaning and message um, is so much more important. Um, so that's why only one, uh, I think, I think is a, a good, strong first song for me to come out as, as myself. Um, and then, you know, from there, I can, I can play with which directions I take it. Um, but yeah, the, the meaning and the message is um, really important. I, I, have a, I have a song just because of your, like, your your podcast and so the way you've spoken, uh, I need to finish the demo, but as soon as I finish the demo, I'll send it off to you. I have one that I think, I think you'll really resonate with. Yeah. Um, That'd be dope. Yeah. That'd be dope. Um, so let's talk, you know, future, right? So you've kind of debuted, reintroduced yourself to some, some fans. 
what's the future look like for you now you know sound direction um presence like what what impact do you want to make in the music industry and i know that's a very big and loaded question but you know i i feel like you've got answers because of your past experience within the music industry yeah um it's tough i think you'll see a lot of like my own struggle is is how to even manage getting there um because i do i don't have a team um i i do everything myself from the video editing to the music production to um oftentimes sometimes the you know might be the writing and then all of the business and then merch i mean there's literally piles of merch behind me i've been shipping because i've been doing live streams and uh it's 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 a lot um so when you ask me something like you know where do i want to be or where do i want to go in a few weeks or in months or in years um you know i think that pathway is really hard for me to sort of get to that like mental what i need to do to get there um but of course like i think my biggest picture element of it is i want to be making music uh for a living which i i luckily am, am doing now um and i want to tour and i want to travel and um you know i'm doing that now but i want to I have been playing the cover game for a long time of doing covers to make new fans. And I still, of course, need to play that or else I'm not going to generate new fans. Um, but I have been leaning on that so heavily for the last few years that I've lost a lot of my identity. Um, luckily, I was losing my identity under band name. So now my identity, I've claimed it as myself. Um, and uh, I want to really pursue that. So I think it's going to look like a new original song for me probably every, like, month and a half um and a lot of different like marketing things to try to like blow them up um because i understand that side of it too um so uh i, I really want to do i really want to put out the original music but it would be stupid of me to not do a full cover if something goes viral on tiktok of a clip so i'll probably still be playing the cover games but i'm not gonna be it's not gonna be the tail wagging the dog this time it's gonna be like I'm going to be doing a cover because the demand is there, not me doing a cover just because of whatever. Um, because the new Justin Bieber song is out, so I'm going to have the first cover out in the first 24 hours. I've played that game for years and years. It's, not, it's fun. Uh, my most viral video is a cover of Wrecking Ball, and I posted it within 24 hours of Miley Cyrus's video, and I got naked and swung on a, a workout ball in horse stables in like a backyard in Florida, and it went worldwide viral. And because of that, like people found my original music, so that was great. Yeah. And so I understand that, I understand that mentality. But where my heart is really uh, fulfilled is making music that I wrote and I I resonate with, and and having that affect other people. Um, that's that impact is. I have tattoos of my lyrics on people. I've heard the stories. I've seen it in firsthand. That's why I do what I do. It feels like my my purpose. Um, and I don't want to like not always keep that in the forefront of my mind. Um, but in that, it's difficult because you got to play the game to make a living. You gotta you gotta do the marketing. You gotta do what you need to do. So so for me, uh, I think it's just gonna be time management and and balancing all the things that I that I do in my day to day. Uh, not only am I an artist, but I am a father, I am a husband. Uh, I, I also, in that, we have a family vlog channel. That takes time, we make videos there, and that's, that's really fun for us. Um, and uh, my wife has her channel, so then I help her with, with that. And there's just a lot that goes into being able to put out a bunch of original music while doing covers, while running the businesses that we run, um, and being a family, of course, and then and then booking tours and shows and and 
planning all of that in. So uh, for me, it's really hard for me to look really long term. And I think this is just my own like mental health struggle to not constantly feel like I'm in crisis at every every second around every turn because like, ah, I didn't do this. And like, oh, I need to shoot. Like I have the only one music video I need to edit and that needs to come out probably really soon. But I also need to put out the next tour vlog really soon. And I also have all these cover collabs coming up that I need to record vocals for, but my voice still isn't good because I had like a post tour cold. There's just so many things that I like am in this chaos mode. And I think for my own personal mental health, I need to like really take a look at time management and how to handle all of that. And if I can start to outsource some of the stuff, I certainly will. Um, but yeah, just keep going, keep grinding for the dream, but try to be a little bit more intentional. Um, and now I have been uh, revitalized with the importance of live music, which I forgot about. I honestly did. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously COVID played a factor in that with not being able to play live period but also you know just the like you were saying going through all the different transitions like that makes it harder to get out on the road too because okay are are we going to have enough people to be in the band to do this thing or whatever um something i think that's that's really interesting you said with all that too is knowing you know like you said juggling all these things whether it's personal life business life you know the youtube channel things like that knowing when it's time to to kind of assess everything and say okay what can i realistically do and what needs to be a priority and you know sometimes i think what casual fans maybe the rabid fans sometimes forget is that you're a human being first you're a father you're a husband first a musician second and you know maybe you forget it from time to time but I think it's important for for people to understand like while music is obviously what you love to do i mean it's clear to hear your passion for it there are definitely times where pause needs to be hit and i need to kind of recharge and make sure that life is okay yeah and i think i think we you often see those kinds of uh mental health struggles manifest themselves in physical health um i've certainly seen that i felt like when i broke my spine like sure like it was an accident and all that but like that was sort of to me i don't and i don't believe in a lot of like whatever bigger higher force things but to me it just sort of was like a whoa you need to slow down with your life you need to collect yourself and i had no choice it was like literally like i broke my back um and then just certain health stuff i've had voice problems and i've gone into the doctor and i have like the best ent in the world and I've gone in and she's like, your voice looks fine. And I'm like, I can't sing. And she's like, it's stress. It's you're doing this to yourself. And, and it's true. I think to learn to slow down, I think is really, really, really difficult. And, and to focus on your, your own mental health and the people around you. And if you, like I said, you have, have, have a family, um, those, those do have to have to come first, of course. Um, and there's a lot that goes into managing life and relationships and you know you got to call your friends and you got to check on your family and like uh these are all like real things and and i know for me i struggle with all of this too and i treat it very much like to-do lists of things which i don't even know if that's great to do um but like i have to give myself reminders amongst all of it um it's hard it's hard to do a career that has no hours um and you you're literally always all you you could sit on the couch and watch tv or you could like go respond to stuff or do emails or i need to change the banners on all my social media and like oh like there's so much 
I need to do. And um, I think it's just important to really readdress that from time to time, make sure you don't get too far off base from what's really the most important around you in your immediate world. Yeah, yeah, no, I 100% agree. Um, so to, to kind of bring this towards the end, to her, one of my favorite questions to ask because I love starting this fight with people is the gas station question, the tour gas station question. Is it Bucky's? Is it Wawa? Where do you go <laughs> if you're out on tour and you're like, guys, we have to make a pit stop? What's the the go to for you? Okay, all right, that's a good question. Um, so uh, Lauren Babick, who I mentioned as as an incredible screamer, she's a huge Bucky's fan, so she had really talked it up. Um, I had not been to a Bucky's. We went. It was cool. It was a little crazy. There's some great products there. Don't get me wrong. Those little like Bucky cinnamon kind of like little crispy things delicious um but as far as like bucky's being there for you when you need sustenance and you're on tour uh not 100 percent um and sheets while it still has some elements of that like made to made ready kind of a situation as far as food goes it's still pretty limited um so i'm gonna have to go with wawa uh which is just they have great prepared foods and when you're on tour i I hate this because you really can't eat healthy. Like I tried, I really tried and you can't eat healthy. It's unless you're in, a, in an RV, I think we could have maybe kept groceries of course, but we were in a van and when you're in the van, everybody wants to eat after the show and you're screwed. You know, as the singer, I would like, I'd be like, no, I'm not going to eat because then I'm going to have acid reflux and my voice is going to be trashed tomorrow. And then everybody else eats. So I'm like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll eat a little. And then, and then it's difficult. So I think as far as which gas station, uh, I think Wawa is your best bet for really food of any kind. It could be soups, it could be sandwiches, it could be salads, it could be, there's all the options there. Um, so I'd have to go with Wawa. If you want to have a good time and be a tourist in a gas station, go to Bucky's. But you're not going to, that's, you know, you're a tourist in a gas station at that yeah, point. No, I, I totally agree with you. Like my view of Bucky's, and I'm in the Midwest, so like I've only been to Bucky's three or four times in my entire life. But to me, Bucky's is a fucking flea market that happens to sell gas. Like yeah. it's super cool. You can get like anything you want, but like why? It's a fucking gas station. Yeah. But I think their marketing and whatnot, they actually try to say the opposite. Like we're not a gas station. We're a store that has gas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was cool. I, I got one of their brisket sandwiches. It was tasty. I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, it, 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 yeah, it didn't, it didn't do everything for me. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, so kind of the standard outro, obviously I'll link all your socials, but where can people find you? What's the best way to interact with you online? Kind of, you know, the, the whole lowdown on everything. Well, now finally you can find me on all social media as David Michael Frank. I don't have to pimp a band name. That is that is my artist name, and you can find me everywhere. Um, and I'm really easy to reach out to. Uh, I think you'd be surprised if you hit me up in my Instagram DMs and say, "Hey, I listened to your your podcast uh, interview. I I will I'll say what's up. That's awesome. Uh, and you know, and then I'll link them to your mental health podcast. Um, and so. Uh, yeah, you can hit me up anywhere. Um, Instagram's great. Uh, of course, you can watch me sing my butt off on TikTok. Um, go subscribe to my YouTube channel if you want to see me naked on a wrecking ball in 2013. Um, but 
yeah, just always going to be on the hustle. Follow my Spotify. I had to start from zero followers recently. So uh, I, I hit 10,000 in a month. So that's cool. But uh, I still I still am starting from zero after having built that up for quite some time. So yeah. Yeah. No, and that that's one of those numbers I tell people all the time, like, do all of the free stuff, follow, you know, like subscribes, things like that. Like that plays such an important factor in the algorithm side of things that even if you're not necessarily checking out every single video that drops or whatever, it still boosts the numbers because there's a, a presence underneath it. Yeah. Yeah. The follows are free and they're super helpful. And uh, beyond that, if you want to be a part of like a Patreon or if you wanted to be a part of any of those things, those are all great communities. We spoke a lot about community earlier. Um, so that, that's, that's, a, that's the deepest level. But yeah, follow, follow and like and subscribe. Awesome, man. I appreciate your time. Um, you know, I'll let you get back to, to family life and, and all of that. Uh, my baby yeah. was in the vocal booth. Now my baby's been broken out by my wife who came home. So. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll let you know when everything goes live and everything. And we'll, cool. uh, we'll probably keep doing these down the road for sure. So, sounds awesome. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to hearing it. Awesome. Thanks, man. See ya. And that was my conversation with David Michael Frank. Um, again, really hope you guys enjoyed that. I got a lot out of it, uh, having that conversation with him. The dude is incredibly talented, uh, you know, vocally as well as even on the business side. And I, I know, you know, we're a music podcast and we talk about the music but at the same time, the business is a big part of that as well. And the thing with with him is that he, I don't want to say he has it fully figured out because, you know, they keep changing algorithms and the way things work and, you know, discoverability and, and all of that. But he's definitely found a way to maximize his exposure uh, through these different avenues. And I think it's something really important that... If you're in a, a band and, you know, looking for growth opportunities and things like that, this is someone to, to kind of look at and maybe model some of your um, social media presence around because he he definitely has built a following and, you know, has now undergone this um, reintroduction and, you know, rebranding of sorts. And like he said right there at the end, you know, because of the way Spotify is set up, he had to start back over from zero. So to see these numbers climbing uh, on his Spotify follows and plays and things like that, it's a big deal. And I think, again, that he's on the path to really make a, a pretty big splash in a few different genres because he has that vocal presence to, to cross genres very easily. Um, as always... Check the description of this podcast. We will have all of his socials linked there. Um, probably like his link tree or something like that as well. Um, and yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you go check him out and let him know kind of what you thought of, of everything. And on the You Make the Scene side of things, there is some new merch designs coming up. There are some new merch products coming up. And yeah, we've got big plans and big hopes for this year um, as we move forward. So 
be sure that you give us a like, subscribe, follow, share, all that fun stuff. Um, and yeah, as always, guys, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.